Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. To the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from His glorious unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your heart as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I honestly believe that God is inviting us to step into His love. And the great thing about God's love, it's like God's character, God's nature, God's person. It doesn't matter how much of it we have comprehended, how much of it we have experienced is always an invitation for us to come into more. We can never, at least this side of eternity, ex- fully experience and know the love of God. And so wherever we are in our walk with Christ, I honestly believe God wants every one of us in this year to grow in our understanding of His love. But then Paul uses a really important word here as well. He's not only talking about knowing the love, it's also an experiencing the love. God's love should be something that's experienced. It should be an experiential thing. It should be something that we have a reference for because Scripture even says, taste and see. Sometimes His goodness, taste and see that the Lord is good. In other words, it's physical goodness that's poured within that context. In the same way, God's love is something that we should experience. We've all experienced in our lives moments of love and moments of rejection. It's hard to define exactly what makes it, but we've had that experience. It reminds me, in the late 90s, there was a movie, some of you may remember, called The Matrix. And in The Matrix, there's this the guy who asks sort of his mentor, he says, what is this Matrix thing? Explain it to me. And the mentor's name is Morpheus, says, nobody can be told what The Matrix is. You have to experience it for yourself. And so it just happened in that year, we were doing matrix algebra, adversity, lots of it. <laughs> and we had to find the matrix with the symbol to explain it. And I couldn't help myself but answer, nobody can be told what the matrix is. <laughs> you have to experience it for yourself. And then I attempted to ex- find it. I don't know how successful I was at that specific one. But God's love is exactly like that. You can't be told what it is. We can't be told what love is. We can't be told what rejection is. But we know it the instant we experience it. We know when somebody says that thing to us, and inside of us we don't know how or why when they said that thing, this warmth just filled us. Or this cold and this hurt. We can't define it, and I guess psychologists, and they'll try and kind of, write down and put words to it, but, but it's really hard to do. 
but it is something you know the moment you experience it. I want to remind us that the love of God is meant to be experienced. Yes, there is a, an element where we know God in our minds, and we should. And one of the reasons why we do Bible school is to help us with that. If you haven't done Bible school yet, I'd strongly encourage you to consider doing Bible school. The date was, I think, somewhere in, start somewhere in the middle of March when the students are back. Tuesday evenings from 6 o'clock in the evenings until half past 8. Once again, just moving everything forward, half an hour this year. And if you haven't done Bible school, I'd strongly encourage you to do it so that you can know and have the, the understanding grow. But you see, the knowledge of God is not only an understanding. It's not just something that we can explain and write down in words. It's also something in here, in our hearts, that we love. Those of us who are parents, we've had that moment. I remember that moment, and just because it dawned on me so specifically, when I picked up my firstborn child for the first time. That moment where I, you can't explain someone who hasn't had that moment. You can't write it down. You can't say, this is what I felt. Except there's that moment where you pick up your own child for the first time. And something just moves inside of you. You know that's love. I believe God wants us to grow. And Paul prays that. And I think Paul is praying. And I, I think it's important to remind ourselves that all of the letters in Scripture, the epistles, all of the letters that were written by the apostles, every single one of them was written to Christians. They were all written to believers. And so often we read this and we think the guys that are writing this, they're talking to the people out there. No, they're primarily starting by talking to us, to believers. And he says, so I pray for you. And then verse 18, which is that bit there, that you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should how wide, how long, and how deep, how high and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is hard to understand fully. So may you understand it, but also may you experience it. And so I've got an expectation in my heart for me, but also for you, for every one of us, that we're going to have an understanding that's birthed and that's rooted in an experience of the love of God. Not just in an event, not just a once-off moment. There are moments, obviously, but that there will be a life of us knowing and growing in the love of God. And so, just as a reminder that all we do when we gather together, whether it's our encounter series, our Sundays, our Bible schools, the camps we're going to be doing it's all about our small groups. It's all about time in His presence and growing in His love. That has to be at the center of all we are and all we do is we want to create spaces and opportunities to experience the love of God. And sometimes the love of God is experienced sort of supernaturally, probably not the right word, but it's experienced directly. Sometimes there's just this moment where we're doing something, we're driving somewhere in a car, we're praying somewhere. We're just innocently going about our, about our lives, and we just experience the love of God. Sometimes we experience the love of God through His body. Sometimes we experience the love of God by Him wrapping His arm around us. That's His body. That's the people around us. And so we 
need those moments where we just divinely experience God showering love upon us, but we also need those moments where we experience the love of God because of the people of God. And so as we gather together, let's keep that in our hearts. Let's keep that expectation but that, that we're going to receive it, but let's also keep that expectation that we can give it. Because John, 1 John, once again, there's a whole chapter about loving in 1 John 4. And then he says, towards the end, we love, and there's an implication of we only love each other because He loved us first. And so I believe as God is inviting us to step into His love, part of what He would have us do if we experience His love, and we have these moments of just experiencing and knowing and comprehending, understanding His love, is to let that love flow through us. To allow His love, as he write, Paul writes in a different place, to compel us, to control us, to love others to care for others, to know that because God loved me, I'm able to love others. I have a source of love that pours into my heart, and I think most of us have realized this. Hopefully we have. Everybody needs a little love. The people in our workplaces, the people in our family, the people in our small group, whether we love Jesus, whether we know Jesus, whether we don't, we're all in need of a little love. And so let's be conduits of that love. Let's in this year as we step into His love, be people who continue to say, freely I have received, so freely I will give. God, I want to love. I want to demonstrate love to the people around you, but not because I'm trying to manufacture something, not because I'm trying to create something, not because I'm trying to be the originator of something, but God, because I have received love first and foremost. And so I think it's important for us in this year, I want to encourage you, make time to allow God to love you. Sometimes we get so busy with our devices, with our programs, with our calendars, with our kids, the school program, with all of the stuff that's happening that we don't create space for God to love us. In the same way that every relationship thrives on time, whether it's a friendship relationship, whether it's a marriage relationship, whatever it is, relationships need time. It's sort of the currency of relationship. It's time together. Same with God. Let's be deliberate. Let's be diligent in putting time aside to say, God, I want to grow in your love. I want to know your love, God. And God, I can't do anything to make you love me because you already love me beyond perfectly, but I can't do anything to do that more, to make it more, to experience it more. But the one thing that I can do is I can spend time with you. And as I spend time with you, I'm going to see your love and I'm going to know your love. I'm going to experience your love. First one is for us to step into His love. The second one we see a glimpse of here in Luke chapter 4, 16 to 19. This is Jesus. He's 30 years old at this stage and He has just been... Um, sort of in a Jewish context, really become a, an, an older man when you become a man when you're 13 and you become a respected man, if that's the right word, when you're 30, reach sort of maturity and, and fullness in that context. And so Jesus has been living his life as a, a carpenter's son, just a good, obedient boy. And I always, you know, think about kind of, imagine sitting next to Jesus when he does his homework. 
I wonder if Jesus went to school. Did he get 100% on every test? I wonder if maybe that's why he didn't come to school, didn't come to earth in the modern era, because he would have been caught out too early. Who is this kid who gets 100% on everything? John was, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The headmaster would be, behold the Lamb of God who gets 100% on every test. But here's this boy. I wonder if he made up his bed by himself every morning. How often did he wash the dishes? So he's lived this life as a human. And he comes to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And he's in the synagogue. And he stood up and he read from Scripture. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, specifically Isaiah 61. He enrolled the scroll and he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. This is sort of a mission statement that follows for Jesus' life. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Every year is the year of the Lord's favor. And that's something which freaked me out at the start because I'm kind of, in this context, a black and white guy. It's kind of to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Was it that specific year when God came, when Jesus came and He stood up, that that following year would be the year of the Lord's favor? And That's a complete, I think, misunderstanding that I had all of those years. No, this is simply saying that God has come. The year of the Lord's favor has entered because the King has come. And this year, as was last year, and as will be next year, is the year of God's favor because He is a favorable God. It's a year of jubilee. It's a year of freedom. We've entered into a place where we can live every single year, but tied up into all of this is an understanding that Jesus came with purpose. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and Today, some of us, I think we would love to be able to write, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to be. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to comfort. He is all of those things. The Spirit of the Lord is with us to reveal the love of Christ to us and to be with us. And that's why it's so important that I think God wants us to step into His love first. But then also to know that as we step into His love, that He is also a God who looks down from heaven onto earth and has a plan for this earth. That He has a purpose. He has not just come to come into our lives that we can be precious, loved, beautiful in His presence. That's the starting point, 100%, most definitely. Without that, everything else is empty. But there's a place where we understand that He has come with a plan and with a purpose to this earth. And so, sort of as I was praying, the first thing is that God wants us to step into His love. And the second is God wants us to step again into His purpose. I think over the last two years, I think we can hopefully say, although... America has put in new COVID restrictions again. But I think as a whole, we can say COVID is behind us. I hope, I pray, I trust that it is that way. At least the lockdown components of it. It changed our lives up and kind of so many of us came out of that and it was just a survival, just a maintaining, just getting back to normal, getting business working again, getting family working again, getting school working again, getting life, just some sense of normality, even if that normal is a bit different to beforehand, but just resettling in. And I think one of the things that 
God is saying is that just before that, I think church is many things at many different times and at the same time as well. It's one of those beautiful pictures that it's impossible to fully describe what church is and what church should be because it is so multifaceted. Scripture talks about it all the time. At some stages, church is an ark. See, Noah built an ark as, I believe, a prophetic picture of the church, a place of safety in times of trouble. And I think in the last two years or so, church was for most people predominantly an ark, a place of safety, a place just of protection, a place where there's a flood all around, and here is this thing that can keep us safe. But then there are other places where Scripture speaks about the church as an army, the church as advancing the purposes of God. The church as a collection, a church of, you know, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And this picture of uh, an army advancing, as we some of the, see some of the Old Testament prophets speak about. And so church is all of these things at different times. And I think the last year or two, two years or so, the COVID season, if we can call it, the church was predominantly an ark. But I th- and that means you batten down the hatches, you close the door, and you're gonna, we're just going to survive this. If you're in the flood, the only thing you're worried about is surviving. But the flood has passed, the flood waters have receded, and now it's time to step out again and to start working the lands. And I believe God's wanting us to step again into His purpose. To step again from just being a place of safety, protection, survival to a place of flourishing where the love of Christ can compel us to see the kingdom of God come, to see injustice around us, to see unsaved and broken lives all around us and to begin to be deliberate about saying, I want to lead you in Christ. I want to see you growing in Christ. I want to demonstrate the love of Christ to you. I would love to see you growing as a disciple and all of those various facets and passage that always comes to my mind every time I, I pray about this, think about this, and I've quoted it a little bit wrong. It's just verse 11, Second Chronicles from chapter 29. It's only verse 11. And what's happening here is there's a king, Hezekiah. He's 25 years of age, and he becomes king after a whole bunch of evil kings, and then he's the first king in a long while where it says he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And here is this king who begins to do what is right again. And he goes to the temple and he realizes the temple has become a storeroom, literally. They just carried in all of the rubbish and the artifacts and the other gods and the other idols and they just piled them all in the temple. The temple was a storeroom. That's what it was used for. And the first thing he does, he steps in, he says, guys, clean this place out. Let's just get the temple being a temple again. And he sort of reinstitutes a whole bunch of stuff and One of the first things he does, almost his first day on the job, a 25-year-old king, is he calls in all of the Levites. In other words, all of the people who are meant to work in the Lord's presence. For some reason, we often tend to think, sort of if we have Old Testament history understanding, we think the Levites were the musicians, and that's not quite true. Some of the Levites were musicians, but the Levites were a lot more than just the musicians. And so he calls them all together and He says to them, he says, my sons, do not neglect your duties any longer. That's a little bit of a a paraphrase. The direct translations would be more like, do not now or 
do not be negligent. Do we know what the opposite of negligence is? It's diligence. Be diligent. Don't be negligent about, and he carries on, don't be, neglect your duties any longer. And then this bit that I believe God wants to remind us about, I've spoken about this from time to time over the years, but I, I just want to remind us over this, what I believe God is wanting to say to us again. The Lord has chosen you to stand in His presence. I wanted to read that and to change the you with the me. The Lord has chosen me. As you sit here, God has chosen you to stand in His presence, to minister to Him, to lead the people in worship and present offerings to Him. One of the reasons I think God brings me back here all the time is because when I became the pastor of this congregation, this was sort of the word that He gave me from Hezekiah, a whole bunch around it, but primarily this, that we shouldn't be negligent, we should be diligent because God has chosen us. God has chosen us as a church. I'm going to go back to what I said at the beginning. That doesn't mean God has chosen the name, the brand, the organization, the other stuff that happens around church. That means God has chosen you sitting here and me. God has chosen us to stand in His presence, to minister to Him, to be His servant, to lead people in worship and present offerings to Him. God has chosen us. And I believe God wants us to re-embrace that, to hold on to that, to as we come out of COVID, to again begin to say, how do we go forward advancing the kingdom of God? Obviously for us, we've kind of, once again, these things are hard to put in words, but we break it down into three main things, to make disciples, to raise leaders, and to plant churches. God has chosen you to do those things. It's not God has chosen Philip or God has chosen Yaku or God has chosen my small group facility. No, He's chosen you. And we're all at different stages of it and we're going to do it in different ways and different flavors and it's going to look differently as it comes out of our hands because our gifts are different. Some of us are going to serve and make disciples just through the way that we're hospitable to people and we welcome people. Otherwise, some of us are going to be prophetic and we're going to speak the Word of God into their lives. Some of us are going to be teachers and we're going to help them understand the ways and the purposes. And, you know, one of the things that I love about discipleship is there's this old saying, apparently an African saying, that it takes a village to raise a child. I think that's true, to really raise a child well, holistically. It takes more than just parents. It takes collective people. Different people speaking into different facets of their lives, all with a child's best interest at heart. Think in the same way it takes a church to make a disciple. Different people with different gifts, revealing different elements and different characters and different traits and parts of the nature of God. For us to truly grow as disciples, it's a team effort. For us to truly make disciples well is a, a team effort. We all have a role to play in that. And so as we step into this year, I, want, I think God wants us to start off, number one, from His love, in His love, stepping into His love continually. And then because we are in His love, to step into purpose. 
to remind ourselves that everything we do is rooted and grounded in the purpose of God, which is to seek and to save the lost. Jesus says, I came to do all of these things in the year of the Lord's favor, but I came to proclaim good news to the poor. I want to see people who have been taken captive set free. I wonder how many of us tomorrow morning when we go to work again, if you do go to work again tomorrow, because most of us are probably back on the clock at least by tomorrow, you're going to see somebody there who's been taken captive in some form, taken captive by brokenness, taken captive by the things of this world, taken captive by hurt or heartache. Jesus wants to look at that person and say, I want to see that person set free. So he carries on liberty to those who are oppressed, healing and wholeness to bring the gospel. And you and I have been called as gospel agents to lead the people, to lead them in worship. It's always been part of who we are as a church family. God's always blessed us over the years with fantastic, not only musicians, but worshipers. People who have hearts to glorify God through their music and to bring people and to create space for people into that, amongst other things. Don't want to expand on all of these too much, but I want to remind us that God wants us to embrace purpose, collective purpose. Yes, individual purpose, but also collective purpose for us as a church. And so as we go into 2022, we're going to be making disciples again. We're going to be spending time, lots of time in the Lord's presence, but we're going to be spending time making disciples, investing into people's lives, finding broken, hurting, far from God people and drawing them closer. Helping people grow in all of the various stages of their faith. In Ephesians 3, once again, this bit where Paul is talking to the church and he's saying to the church in Ephesus about the fact that God's brought us all together. What's what he says? This is why God brought us all together. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. God's purpose in all of this I want to remind you again, what was this, all of this at the first two and a half chapters of Ephesians is all of us being grafted together into one family, one house of God. All of this was to use the church to display His wisdom in His rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was His eternal plan, which He carried out through Jesus Christ. Our Lord, once again, when he says God's purpose in all of this was to use the church, when you see that word, little asterisk needs to go off in your head. In other words, me and us. Me, but not be my, me by myself. Me together with other believers. Have you realized before that God's purpose, his eternal plan involves you? And it involves you displaying his wisdom in its rich variety, to the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. To the spiritual realm. You have a role in the spiritual realm within God's eternal plan. And so as we step into 2023, stepping into His love, but stepping into His purpose, saying, God, you have a plan with this world, a plan of redemption and of healing, and of wholeness, and of salvation. God, you have a plan with this city. God, you have a plan with this community. You have a plan with our neighborhood. God, you have a plan with the business I work at, the school I attend, the classmates I work, I 
study with, the colleagues I work with, the family I live with. God, you've got a plan. And that plan involves declaring your wisdom into heavenly places. We do that by living the gospel. We do that by doing what Jesus did, proclaiming good news to the poor, by praying, by stepping out. So our prayer is going to look a little bit different than it has the last couple of years. Tomorrow evening, as an example, the last few years, our prayer has been about dwelling in the Lord's presence. It's going to be, remain a key part always. If we're going to move from ark prayer into building prayer. See, once you get out of the ark, you need to start building some bricks and laying bricks again. You need to start playing plowing the ground. You need to start expanding and growing again. I believe God's calling us into that season of stepping out of an ark, resettling, building a new city, because the old one is flooded. New houses, new ministries, new places, because people are crying out for a healer and for a savior. And the crazy thing, or one of the crazy things about all of that is for some strange reason, God has looked down and chosen you. He's chosen you. And as we step into 2023, let's step into that. Let's say, God, you've chosen me. I wouldn't have chosen me, but you chose me. And so, God, I'm going to step out and I'm going to step out with boldness, not alone, not by myself. This isn't a Rambo thing. This is a church thing. This is an us together thing. Taking hands together. Leading others. Growing others. Seeing salvation come to others. I'm excited about 2023. I'm excited about what God has in store for us. His secrets, the things that He's going to reveal to us. I'm excited about growing in His love. And I'm excited about seeing His purpose come to pass in our midst. Can we stand together? I'd love for us to close in prayer. And as we pray, I want to also say that if you need prayer, maybe you're here this morning and there's something about God's love that just, you don't get it. You have never experienced it. It's not something that you have a reference for. Maybe you've never had a moment of just stepping before Jesus and saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. I actually want to see your purposes come to pass in my life. Now, often when evangelists, people, pastors, when they make altar calls, invitations for people to come to Jesus, they always ask this question, if you were to die tonight, what would happen? It's not a bad question. But I think there's an equally good question to use. If you're not going to die tonight, what's going to happen tomorrow? You're going to continue living an empty, pointless, hurting life far from God we're going to choose to say I want to follow Jesus I want to know Jesus and if that's you this morning and tomorrow morning maybe you're not going to die tonight and you're going to wake up tomorrow morning but you realize you don't want your tomorrow to look like your yesterday I would love to pray with you I can't change it I can't make it right but I know the one who can and I want to pray that he would do that for you too so if you need prayer, I'm going to pray for us collectively now. And then if you need prayer after that, you're welcome just to step forward. I would so love to pray with you. And some of the rest of our team will be here to pray with more of you as well if we need that. So Jesus, thank you this morning 
that we can take that calendar of 2023 and look up at it and know that you have been in every second of that year. You know exactly what's happening tomorrow and next week and next month. 31 December 2023 is not an unknown to you, Lord. And so we can be excited, Lord. And Lord, this year as we step into 2023, we thank you for your invitation to step in, Lord. And right now, Jesus, as a church, we want to say yes. We want to RSVP. We're saying we're coming, Lord. We're stepping in to your love. We want more of your love, God. We know that it's unfathomable. We can never reach the end of it. So there's always more, no matter what we've experienced. We want more of your love written upon our hearts, Lord. Experiencing it, seeing it, Lord. Flowing through us, Lord. We want to love others because you have loved us. So we pray for grace that we truly may experience your love. That we may step into your purpose, Lord. Not by means of works or just busyness and activity and doing things. But purpose born out of love. Love for you and love for your people. Lord. Purpose because your love compels us and controls us, Lord. Purpose because you invite us. You've chosen us, Lord. Saints, God wants to settle that in some of someone's heart here this morning that you wrestle, you struggle with the idea that God could choose you because of all of your insecurities, and all of your failures and your inabilities. God wants to say to you what He said to every one of the disciples and the apostles when He called them. He didn't say, Come, Peter, you are made, you are ready. Come, John, you're good to go. No, he said, come, and I will make you what you need to be. So God hasn't chosen you because you've got it all together and fixed. You have all of the answers, and you're good to go. He's chosen you, and then he will make you. But he has chosen you. So maybe if you were struggling with that, maybe you just need to take a moment just to allow the Holy Spirit to just write that upon your heart. That God has chosen you. Not exclusively, He's chosen other people too, but He has chosen you. Not the person behind you or in front of you, not your husband or your wife, your mother, your father not your small group facilitator, not your pastor. He's chosen you. God, thank you that in your wisdom, you have chosen us. And so we pray for grace to not be negligent, but to be diligent in all that you have chosen us for. God, we're expectant in our hearts. Lord, to see this room and many like it filled with praises Lord. to see living rooms filled with worship to 
You see university residences, Lord, and communes become places of worship as we lead others in worship, Lord. Places of discipleship, salvation, Lord. Lord, that this altar in front would be a place where regularly we see people coming and just bowing the knee in surrender and calling on the name of Jesus that they may be saved, Lord. Lord, that these chairs would fill up and we need more and more spaces, Lord, not because we want big groups or big gatherings, but because there are broken people who are hungry for a Savior. So we trust for that grace in this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.org.